It's Under the Dome Radio, the discussion and fan feedback show for Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2, entitled Move On and But I'm Not. Recorded June 27th, 2015. Season 3 of Under the Dome Radio is underway. Thanks for joining us. Under the Dome Radio is the unofficial podcast by and for fans of CBS TV's Under the Dome. This is episode 52 of Under the Dome Radio, and we've got the show notes with links of all the stuff we're going to talk about tonight at underthedomeradio.com slash 52. Or if you'd like to leave some feedback of your own, you can do so by visiting underthedomeradio.com slash feedback. Now, Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Check out the other shows that'll help you laugh, think, and succeed at noodle.mx. And we are sponsored by lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com. Get a 10-day free trial. Learn some new things like alien video screen operations by visiting lynda.com slash dome for all the details. And I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting, podcasting Green Bay Packers fan. And I am at Troy Heinrichs, petting my dog while I stroke my purple ring of influence, planning my next move. Oh, okay. But that, that purple ring is going to come into play, I think, sometime this season. But we will see how that plays out later on. I have a feeling it very much will. Well, it's going to be back. How are you, Sir Wayne? I am good, Sir Troy. It's great to be back. Another summertime of talking about Under the Dome and... There's a lot to talk about, and I wish we could get right to the listener feedback right now because some voicemails are going to knock your socks off. That's right. So what are we going to be doing tonight, Mr. Henderson? Well, for one thing, we're going to have a breaking news segment where we're going to have dome-related news, including ratings and happenings from all around Chester's Mill. Then we're going to take your requests and dedications where we close the loop on last week's show and any feedback that we might have missed in between now and then. We'll also feature the Under the Dome Clam of the Week, as well as share your answers to dome-provoking question of the week. Then we're going to go on the air, talking about what we found interesting about the most recent episodes of Under the Dome, then on location. I love going on location. That's where we get to chat with you, the true fans of Under the Dome, with any voicemails and listener feedback and such before we then go into investigative reporting where we can get the skinny on next week's episode and other quote-unquote spoilery-type thoughts and feelings. But with that, let's kick things off with ratings news, shall we, Troy? We shall, Mr. Henderson. I know it's absolutely hard to believe, but CBS... That's right, CBS, that network that caters to a little bit of older crowd, if you will, was actually the winner in the 18 to 49 demographic on Thursday night and won in total viewers as well. The Dome actually picked up right where it left off at its season two finale numbers, so a little bit down from the season two premiere, but it'll be interesting to see how DVR movement will actually play into this factor, Mr. Henderson, because of this new time period on Thursday nights. I think with each and every passing year, the DVR post viewing is going to go up and up. So it'll be really interesting to see how the numbers play out with that. Now, of course, the season two finale was a whiz-bang crazy thing after a full summer of excitement. So it's it may just take a while to get the legs back, but already CBS is winning. So there you have it. 
I know. That means we'll uh, put the stake in the ground right now because with numbers like these that are actually almost equal to the same show that was in this time slot for CBS during the actual regular television season, season four, it's coming. Prepare yourselves. Season four of Under the Dome, you think? Oh, with these ratings, how could you not bring it back again? (laughs) Well, it is only one week. Let's kind of see what happens. Okay, okay, we'll see how it goes. But you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Troy Heinrichs, season four. Hmm. Mm, We'll have to wait and see. It did actually dip down a little bit. 1.3, 1.2, 1.2, 1.1 for the half hours of this two-hour premiere. And I got to tell you, two hours of Dome was a long two hours. (laughs) Yes, it was. I think... If there is a season four, let's not have a two-hour premiere. Maybe 90 minutes, but two hours, that was a lot of craziness. Yes, yes. And so if you have not seen the premiere yet, this is where you want to stop listening to the podcast. Make sure you watch it. We recommend two 40-minute sittings. It'll be on Amazon Prime, most likely. We're assuming that the deal is still in place. And if the deal follows what happened last year, that means four days after the airing of Under the Dome on CBS, It will move from CBS.com to Amazon Prime. So that means if they count the weekend, that should mean Monday morning, it'll be on Amazon Prime. But right now, if you missed it, CBS.com is where you're at. Woohoo! So with that, let's go ahead and move into our new segment that we're going to call Requests and Dedications this year. It's a little bit of a revised segment this year. We used to do this at the end of the show where we got kind of a little bit of a love out there for people that were helping out with either reviews or giving us uh, propane donations. But we wanted to switch it up where we would actually ask all of you to think about and answer a dome-provoking question. That's right, because the dome made me do it. So therefore, it has to be a dome-provoking question. What did you say there, Mr. Henderson? Yes, and just hearing the words dome and provoke in the same sentence, that fits right into what we're trying to cover on the show. Well, we didn't have a show last week, so we don't have any answers to read off for you this week, but we just want you to think about for next week, because we do want to hear the answers to this question. Was it, I'm going to say Eva, because I watch Wally a lot. <laughs> was, okay. Ava, was Ava pregnant in the Matrix version of Chester's Mill, only to try and keep Barbie from figuring out that he was in the Matrix, or will she actually still be pregnant with his kid? in real life through cocoon osmosis sharing? That's an excellent question, Troy. I want to hear what the listeners come up with because it could be all over the board and I don't have an opinion on it yet. So listeners, please sway my opinion with your knowledge. We will also be featuring a new thing this year. It's called the best under the dome clam of the week. Yes. What is a clam? You're asking yourself. Well, the clam is actually an 18-second crazy audio clip that you can mix together using an app called Clammer. For example, it might sound something like this. What if your entire town was trapped underneath a mysterious dome? Yet I am in my wet nightgown, but none of that matters because you can just call me to search... So basically, that's a clam. It's a it's by this company called Clamor. We want to hear what you guys will be able to do with the podcast, with Under the Dome. There's lots of crazy things that are said, lots of crazy things that will happen, even from you in our voicemail listener feedback section. 
So we want to see what you guys can come up with by mixing stuff together and coming up with the most creative clam. So you can do that in a couple of ways. Number one, you can download Clammer for iOS. Just visit Clammer.com. That's C-L-A-M-M-R.com. Download the app. You can create those right on your iPhone or iPad. Totally awesome. Or if you're a non-iOS user, you can visit publisher.clamor.com and you can actually upload your creations using any kind of software editing tool on your computer and put those right there, publisher.clamor.com. And when you put it up there, if you want to be featured here on the podcast as the clam of the week, make sure to use the hashtag UTDR. Fan that's under the dome radio UTDR fan on your clam, and that way we'll see it and make sure it gets on the show. And then at the end of the season, the best clams will be voted on by you all, and a special prize awaits for episode number 13. The fan feedback fall palooza right before September says goodbye to the dome until that season four that I already predicted comes to be. It will see, but this whole new clamor thing is fantastic and it's brilliant to find out some of the creative things that listeners can put together. So I am all on board and looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Well, that'll do it for the intro of the show. Now let's get into the meat of the matter as we go on the air. Now, in case you didn't see Under the Dome, the season three premiere, the two hours that it was, we're going to run this down for you really quickly. We assume that you've seen the episode, but in case you forgot because you didn't know if you were in the future, in the past, in the Matrix, or not in the Matrix, this is really what went down. In a nutshell, everybody was going to go into the light at the end of season two, and Melanie was coaxing them into the light as it surrounded them and turned them into giant bottles of goo as they sunk into some water and they became cocooned under the dome in Chester's mill. For some reason, the dome itself stopped contracting. We don't know why, but Barbie, Julia, and Big Jim were still alive, trapped in Chester's mill. Melanie then was actually watching all of the people in the cocoons through some kind of alien TV program. Apparently, it was an unbundled cable package from what we could tell. And that way, she was kind of manipulating and controlling all of the thoughts that were happening for these people, where to them, it seemed like it was a year later after the domes magically collapsed. And that's where it kind of picked up. So Barbie was trying to figure out, is this real? Is this not real? How do I get out of here? And while that was happening, we had Julia, Big Jim, basically going toe-to-toe with each other only to find out that Don Barbara brought the egg back to Chester's Mill from Zenith, thanks to our new character, Eric LaSalle, the CEO of Acteon Energy. And that basically allowed Melanie to use the egg to start a chain reaction process to create some kind of hive mind, we're assuming. But not until Big Jim came down to the rescue, smashed the egg for his town. Julia basically helped him out, and Melanie disappeared, and everybody came out of the cocoons. What's going to happen now that they have this shared memory experience? That is the question going forward for the rest of the season. So, Mr. Sir Wayne, what are your initial thoughts of this crazy season three premiere? Well, first, I must give you props on that recap and to ask you a quick question, Troy. Okay. When we were doing season one of Under the Dome Radio, did you have any 
inkling that you would be reading those paragraphs that you just finished. Oh, see, I didn't even read those paragraphs. I remembered it all. It's burned into my brain after two hours, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> well, let me say this. Did you have any idea that that's where things were going to go? You know, it, it's interesting because we we poke fun at the show every now and then because it is one of those things that you just either love to hate to watch or hate to love to watch or just actually do love for some strange reason. And what was really great about this episode, I think, is that it really tied in this concept. If you remember... The opening sequence in season one, episode one, was that bird egg, the black bird egg hatching and the bird coming out. And so this was, we all thought, you know, hey, something's got to hatch. Something's got to do something. The caterpillar was going to turn into a butterfly. And here we have the culmination of all of that setup for the last two seasons in this season three premiere. The question, of course, is why? And hopefully we start getting those answers as we progress. That would be very, very nice because they kind of promised that we were going to get answers last night and I didn't get very many answers. And in the end, I'm just kind of wondering, other than that very, very last scene where, like you said, Julia helps Big Jim out and they crush open or whatever happened and made Melanie go away, were any of the other scenes in the entire episode real? Well, everything was real, right? If we learned anything from Lost, and I'm sure we'll compare lost this evening. We'll probably compare a bunch of other TV shows as we go along and maybe even some movies. But as we learned in lost, what happened happened. And I think that's going to be a theme going through the rest of season three is that they had this experience. We're going to hear a little bit later that it could be a dream sequence. And maybe it's a shared dream state because of the, we'll call it avatar pulsing purple energy that was going through the, the root system of the cave. And because of that, I think these this shared experience, this one year of time is really going to affect our characters and how they interact now that they've actually only been there for a day and have to go back to basically square one. I mean, that would be really frustrating and traumatizing if you think about it. Very true. And although it is early in this episode, I'm going to totally disagree already, Troy, unfortunately. Oh, man. <laughs> I... I one, I wouldn't compare this episode of Under the Dome to Lost. More, more like comparing it back to The Land of the Lost. I don't think that uh, any of that, as far as whatever happened, happened. I don't think that's going to apply here. But I could be totally wrong. I've been wrong well over 50% of the time. So we'll have to wait and see. Your theory does sound very well thought out, Troy, but I don't think that's where they're going to go. Um. You could be 100% spot on yet again. We'll have to wait and see. But speaking of things that are spot on, how about that excellent makeover of the Sweet Briar Rose? Melanie must have called in the Property Brothers to take care of that because it looked sweet. Yeah, I have to say that I was really impressed with the fact that it really spruced up the place. It, even when Rose was running it in season one, it looked like Big Jim was the only customer that was coming in there. Granted, yeah. it was parade day, but yeah, it was hopping and bustling and even if you didn't see any blood spots back there behind the counter from Rose's skull getting smashed in, it was actually quite a nice place to eat. Poor Rose. Man, I miss her. I, I'm wondering, you know, speaking of what's real, what's not real, do you think anything that we've seen of Melanie since she came back to life at the beginning of last season, was any of that really Melanie? That's an interesting question. And that's one that I posed in my thoughts for this week. So I'm going to actually answer your question with a question. 
Please do. So if we think about Melanie and this whole concept that she was actually a person, she was actually Don Barbara's daughter back in 1987, if it was 25 years, trying to do the math in my head, which we don't, you don't do math on a podcast. But back in 1987, when the meteor shower happened, Melanie was a real person. So when she came out in the lake at the start of season two and Julia rescued her, we know that people come out of the lake if they're traveling from Zenith through the cellar. So my question to you is, is she a entity or person that actually traveled from Zenith to get into the dome? And was that person supposed to come in there? And that's why the dome started contracting and doing all kinds of weird things to kill this invasion, if you will. Ah, oh, Zenith. Uh, I guess we're going to see a lot more of Zenith again if seeing the ZE prominently displayed on that sorority building and on the ZE pledge banner, or they just thought that was a cool tie-in. And, of course, we saw our friends at Acteon Energy Headquarters. They're, they're still in Zenith, right? Oh, absolutely. I would assume they're all over the world, apparently, because they have operations in Alaska. Awesome. Now, one thing I did want to touch on that we didn't mention in our reaction cast that we did live last night after the episode, but rewatching. Yes, I rewatched this episode again today to get ready for the podcast. That's what I do to try to help out, okay? The therapist in this episode, from what I remember of my therapist back in the day, I'm pretty sure she never visited me at home and sat next to me on the foot of my bed all cozy-like. But then again, mine didn't have a ring with a purple gemstone that came from underneath Chester's Mill or outer space. It was just something I observed. Kind of strange. It was a little strange, wasn't it? And this is the one thing that I picked up on because when they were in this cocoon matrix type state, it seemed like Christine, played by uh, Marge Helgenberger, she was the one that was actually running the show, it seemed like, for the most part. She set up the memorial she was the one that was talking to everybody and seeing what their purpose was and how they were feeling. But she had a really big interest specifically in Joe. But then she also moved over and took a look at Junior. And then she also made a comment when Joe and Nori were kind of having a tiff out at the um, bench swing where they had their first kiss back in the bomb episode from season one. Right. So for some reason... The Christine seems like she is very interested in the Scooby gang, AKA the three hands because the fourth hand is now missing for now. (laughs) You're very right. She is definitely up to something. She is not to be trusted. At least she doesn't whisper and talk so softly like Melanie did all the time. But I'm wondering also about the dog in, I don't know if he's modeled after Vincent on lost or not, But the dog was very prominent, at least in the scenes that had Big Jim. I mean, Big Jim was trying to scare away the dog, and he kept showing up. Do you think there's any importance? Is the dog spying on them? Well, and the question there becomes, is the dog real, or is the dog a ghost dog? Because we still have these ghost apparitions that appear to Jim, so we don't even know if the dog was a real dog or not. Not to mention that Big Jim was hitting the liquor again. That is true. Could see a lot of things drinking that much bourbon and Jack Daniels. He may have. Now, one thing that I did really like that I didn't even see happen the first time I was watching, but I did like it. I give props to Joe for taking away Nori's cigarette. And that was a weird scene. Okay. Very weird. I know they were trying to differentiate that this 
one year time jump forward. All the characters were different, especially because, you know, Joe grew a foot since the last time we saw him a year ago. Right. <laughs> and that scene just seemed odd for Nori's character. So I wonder if it was put in there to specifically signal to the audience, hey, this is not real. Nori's not this type of person. Now, granted, she was kind of a gothy person and, you know, real rebellious. And I'm not saying that all goth and rebellious people smoke. No, but, we don't want to say that. But there is a good possibility that coming from California, not to say that all Californians smoke either. I don't. But yeah, it could happen, right? If you were maybe generalizing some of that kind of crowd. But she's saying specifically that she's doing it because it's the greatest way to lose weight when you're in college because you're in a sorority, which should have been the first indication that none of this is potentially real because there's no way a goth kid from California is going to be in a sorority. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, she does have an influential mom, though, but it was all just really, really weird. But it was good to see with all the other negative things that was going on in this episode that Joe did go ahead and take away her cigarette, though she did have 15 others that she could light up. Uh, what, what were some takeaways that you had, Sir Troy? Well, we already talked a little bit about Melanie and is she an alien? And, and I go back to our original theory about maybe there's two factions within Chester's Mill, not so much the Chester's Mill residents. They're kind of caught in between because I still can't figure out the ghosts. Okay, so the ghosts were showing up. Are those apparitions or reflections of people that are in the Matrix that were already in the pods down below? But then I scratch my head and go, okay, well, if Ben was in the pod and then Ben died outside of the pod, there's no way that the ghost thing would actually make sense to be from the potted people. So this is a little bit long-winded explanation, but if Angie was killed then Angie's dead. So therefore putting Angie in a pod to become a ghost doesn't make sense. So that tells me that the ghosts must be either the aliens or something else. Hmm, very mysterious, Troy. Either that or hashtag continuity error. Or, I or like we were saying, it could be a reflection, right? It could be a reflection off of the dome. It's like your energy escapes your body, but you're, there's nowhere for the energy to go because the dome is there. So it's like a, a reflection, a memory kind of flashback kind of thing. I could see something like that happening. Uh, the second thing that I was curious about is that Christine comes out of the cocoon, the pod uh, that had the egg on top of it. So clearly that's the monarch. I'm assuming at this point, right? The monarch will be crowned and you put the egg on top of the head of the pod that's like a crowning symbol so maybe that's the case there but specifically as she comes out of the pod does Ava's hand reach out and extend for hers and grabs onto it as they pull each other out of the pods together so clearly they're a team but the question is are they good or are they bad and was Melanie trying to destroy them with the egg being a power source of energy surgeons or was Melanie helping them become a blossoming butterfly of something else. Hmm. Did you say egg? I said egg and butterfly in the same sentence. Oh, I'm, I'm voting for them. Well, if I had to pick right now, they're acting very evil, hmm. but, but you touched on something interesting, possibly this still having some sort of ties to aliens and Melanie possibly being either an emissary of the aliens or a vision from the aliens. 
They decided to take her image after she died back in the 80s. You know, that even though they originally said that Under the Dome was not going to end like in the book, this is kind of leaning a little more towards that type of thing. But it's a different twist, right? So in this yeah. case, alien schmalian, same to me. But we don't <laughs> we don't know for sure that Melanie or Christine or Ava, if any of these people are the ones responsible for the dome being there, because true, the true. book, the aliens are responsible for the dome being there. So now the question is: is is the dome's existence for some other purpose? So it's not quite the same as the book. So they're still kind of holding true to what they said, that it's not going to be the same as the book, but very, very close tie-in. And I even like the fact that it was like a child alien in the book, and here we kind of have Melanie as a child. So they're playing off of that like symbolism, if you will. And I thought that was a really nice touch as, as we were th- talking about it during the episode on Thursday night. I'm still waiting for somebody to be in jail and get a special bowl of cereal. Now, I'm really excited about Eric LaSalle joining the front side of the camera. He directed a few episodes last year, so he's going to be the new CEO of Acteon Energy. I thought it was really interesting about all of this, the meteor shower, and this was the first real uh, version of this egg power source, and we want it. Uh, we've been hunting it for the last you know, 25 years. What is your take on Acteon Energy's play going forward now that everybody's back trapped in Chester's mill, are the soldiers going to come through the cellar and invade the dome without any way to escape? Quite possibly. As long as they don't have very much weight on them when they go through the door, I don't know. I'd like to see the actual process. Now that they have more money for the visual effects, I would like to see the process of going into that cellar door, totally dry, and then somewhere along the way, they're in you know, they're amidst water and then they come up out of the water. I would love to see an invasion of that sort because I think it could be very, very cool. And Acteon Energy still reminds me of Woodmore Industries, North Central Positronics, and all of those big, bad overlord companies. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And it is kind of cool that someone who had directed previous episodes is now acting in front of the camera. I mean, full props for that. That is really cool. Yeah, so if you're playing along at home, we have Eric LaSalle playing the CEO. We have Ava. She's a new character. And we have Christine as a new character. So that's three in this first episode, new characters. So we'll have to see if more people start coming out of the woodwork because it did look like the town population grew a little bit again this year. It didn't yes, seem like there was a lot of people last year, right? There's This season seemed like there was a lot more people there watching the dome collapse in the Matrix. Absolutely, there were. So how many things did you catch during the course of this episode that made you go, oh, well, that was a ripoff of that show. Oh, that was a ripoff of that show. That was a ripoff of that show. Because I saw quite a few. I ran out of fingers on my hands. I mean, you know, there's doing a nod to some inspirations and then there's other other things we we recall an episode last season when it was downright thievery and blaspheming this the sacred scene between Sawyer and Juliet from Lost that many people hold so dear but uh how many did you count did you actually have a count I didn't keep a count but I mean I could rattle off you know Vincent the dog uh when Julia steps on the ladder and then falls and gets hurt that's a clear homage to Ben falling in the ladder in the uh, well. And then we also have the fact that 
this this whole what happened happened concept. We had this like flash sideways or parallel universe concept that was from Lost. Then the fact that we have the cocoons and the video screens that Melanie was looking at is a direct tie, I think, to Falling Skies, which is also an Amblin television property over on TNT, which starts up its final season on Sunday. So I, I, I'm I'm starting to think that maybe Under the Dome is like the um, prequel to Falling Skies. Maybe this is the start of the Ashvini invasion. Who knows? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool if in the end they are both from the same universe and and Under the Dome is the prequel? I love your theory there, Troy. And that would actually make it interesting because we even snark a little bit on the Falling Skies show that some of the writing has been a little eh here and there, especially during season four. And so it, it seems like it would just be a, a nice fit that both shows actually would merge together and then it'd be some like epic movie, a Falling Skies prequel movie that's actually an Under the Dome series finale movie. And they they meet up together as the second mass saves Chester's Mill. Awesome. I'm all in. <laughs> uh, what else you got for the episode this week? I think that pretty much sums up the episode because... All the different vignettes, they were all over the place and in so many different fashions that I remembered seeing all the tweets come in as well as hearing from my wife and my own brain telling me what is going on here. You know, the first 45 minutes or so, it was like, what's real? Is this a flashback? Is it a flash sideways? Is it a memory? Is it is it a dream? It, it was just crazy. So I, I don't really have any other thoughts yet because I have a feeling that some of what we saw is going to carry forward, although maybe not quite as much as, as you were talking about earlier in your elaborate theory. But, you know, episode three, they're now in the promos. They're saying we're getting answers again. So I'll be looking for answers next week. Yeah, I hope so, too. I mean, trailers always lie. So we'll have to see what actually True. plays forward. As they say, the answers are coming. Well, what answers? Because usually when you get answers, it only means more questions. <laughs> True. And you are correct that about 90% of the time, the trailers totally lie. And then there's that unfortunate other 10% where they give away everything. Like Battlestar Galactica, the reboot, did that a lot. I'm like, no, don't watch the trailer. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, but I can't wait for next week. It's I, I'm excited, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because there's one thing for sure, especially with it being one single hour, one episode focused under the dome time. It, it, it's going to be great. There's going to be, in fact, somebody asked us like before going into this episode this week, they said, do you think anything crazy is going to happen in the first episode? I'm like, oh heck yeah. In the first 15 minutes, something crazy is going to happen. And I expect the same thing next Thursday night. Well, the first three minutes when they were like, hello, Melanie, 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 and then pink stars and blam, there goes the dome shattered like glass. Very cool visual effect like you talked about on the uh, reaction cast. Now, something that I did pick up on the second watch today, if you noticed how the dome shattered and then the purple wave power kind of swooped over the Chester's millions that were outside the dome in the opening sequence was very similar to the energy smash of the egg when Big Jim crushed it and then it swooped out through the cavern and made Melanie, I guess, disappear because we don't know what happened to her. She just vanished, I guess. I, I thought the energy dispersion was very similar, and I wonder if that was supposed to be that way. Is that a thing we're supposed to be paying attention to? Who knows? I did not catch that, but I'm not surprised, and I will keep a closer eye on the next episode. 
either that or the visual effect was already made. So we just repurposed it for financial reasons. <laughs> well, it was a pretty dang good one. That it was, that it was. Well, something we also want to do this season is we were told by the media, by everybody that's involved with Under the Dome, that Big Jim is going to be more comic relief, I guess would be the best way to put it for this season. So we're going to introduce a new mechanism where you guys can actually vote on the best Big Jim comments, Big Jim quippy liners, if you will, from each episode. So we are actually going to play episode one. That was move on. The two liners you're going to hear here are, of course, the conversation that Big Jim has with Julia and Junior in the school. And then the second one will be, of course, when he's having his family reunion memories in his house all by himself. So if you like this first one, make sure you vote with the hashtag Big Hair. Should have killed me while I had a chance, Junior. Jim, you got to let us go. Oh, yeah? Why is that? You got a hair appointment? <laughs> Roots are looking a little tired. We just let us go. If you were going to kill us, you would have done it already. Kill you? What's the thing about killing you? We are the only ones left. I may need you. For repopulation. <laughs> Oh, man, that's comedy gold. Big Jim Rocks. Oh, man. Hashtag big hair. And that was big hair. See, during that time, she's uh, spruced up that uh, dye in the hair. And someone made a comment about the hair, actually, that there is a lot of redheads now uh, with Christine, with Nori, with uh, with Julia. So is the red hair something significant that we should be picking up on? Ginger Nation? Very well could be. So our second clip from episode one, this is, of course, Big Jim and his family reunion. Jump, Junior! I can't! Yes, you can. Stop being afraid, he can't. Be a man. Be a man. Dad, I want to get down. You don't jump, you don't come home tonight. Dad, where are you going? Come back. Don't leave me here. Nothing good on television these days anyway. That's right. It's either on Amazon, Netflix, or Hulu. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Did he actually say there's nothing good on TV these days anyway? I hope nobody uses that meme as anything to do with the show. But that was a great scene because Jim was drinking a little heavy and had a loaded gun. And that's a bad combination, whether you're in Chester's Mill or anywhere else. Hashtag big TV. Yes, and, and I love that when you can hear it in the audio form without the visual, you heard the emphasis on the swirl of the bottle to make sure everybody knew that he was drinking. <laughs> and he was not dad of the year, even back in the day. That was mean, Jim Rennie, mean. Yeah, he actually had the video showcasing him actually turn and walk away. Dad, don't leave me. Wow. Wow, what a guy. <laughs> what a guy. Okay, so... Those are the two hashtag big hair and hashtag big TV. Obviously you can see where the big is coming off of for the play on the hashtags here. Just uh, give us a tweet with those or call it into the voicemail line. That's plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine or under the dome radio.com slash feedback. You can email in your vote. We'll tally those up and we'll share those during the requests and dedication section next week. But we did have a second hour of under the dome. And it was 
long on the second hour. But Big Jim was there to help us out. And it was really great to see Big Jim and Julia kind of having their tiff as they have for the last two seasons. But really when it's just them alone because Junior was captured and in the cocoon, you know, Julia versus Big Jim, it doesn't get any better than this. So the two clips from episode two called But I'm Not, here is the first one where Big Jim and Julia are having their tiff over Don Barra's body. How many people have to suffer? Because you can't see what's right in front of you, huh? That egg, this dome, that girl. It cost me my wife. Move! You're so high and mighty, aren't you? I'm not the only one in this town with blood on his hands. People are dead because of you. Your faith in this dome has made you blind, deaf, and dumb. That is the second time you've called me dumb. That punch was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's the last time he's going to call her dumb either. I know we've heard some people on the podcast, you know, there's a, the meme going around of no one's going to punch you in the face. <laughs> that is, of course, unless they call you dumb twice. <laughs> Bam. Hashtag big punch. Uh, if you like that one, make sure to vote it in. Now, our last one, of course, comes at the end of the second hour when we have Big Jim doing whatever he can for the town, because after all, it is his town. Let's not forget. And of course, Big Jim comes in to save the day. I'm sorry, Julia. A process has begun and I cannot let you enter here. I believed in you. Don't worry, we'll fix you too. What about me? I don't know who this we is, but I'll be damned if I let it kill my son. No, no, you, you can't. You'll destroy everything. What do you say, Red? Do it. Do it. Do it now. Do it. <laughs> Wow. Hashtag big red teaming up at the very end. Uh, and the egg smash was awesome. Uh, I have my kids going around the house today, you know, Hulk smash, like egg smash. <laughs> this would have been a good Easter episode, but uh, for all the Easter egg hunts, but I digress. So basically that sums it up. And we would love to see your tweets with hashtag big hair or hashtag big TV and Also, Big Punch or hashtag Big Red. That's right. You want two votes, one for episode one and one for episode two. And then, of course, we'll tally all those up for a final vote of the best Big Jim one-liner for the season during that fan feedback of Palooza in the fall. And I think it'll be very interesting to see what Dean Norris is going to come up with this season because it's amazing so far. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm, I'm ready to hear him. All right, so let's move into our ratings then for these two episodes. I actually rated it each episode individually and then gave it kind of an average for the two hours. So let's hear what you think first, Mr. Wayne. All right, and I'm going to do the opposite just because. To me, it really was one long episode. So I'm going to just rate it as one episode just because. So I'm giving it six out of ten tiny bladders combined with long car rides. Wow. Just, well, did that comment have to be made in that episode last night? I know. <laughs> it just, it, it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> well, I, six I, out of 10, Troy. Six out of 10 is actually low for a season premiere. So I, I'm nervous now because I gave the first hour an eight clone Whoa. an eight because the opening five minutes was awesome. Then we went to Yemen and I'm like, where is this going? I'm like, I'm in. This is different. I, I like it. 
So I gave it eight clone insurgents. But then hour two, I dropped it down to a five rings of purple fire. <laughs> uh, because that second hour, I don't know if it was just because it was the second hour and it was late and tired and long day and or if it was just not that great. <laughs> <laughs> no comment here. Uh, but overall, then it averages out to a 6.5, which is a big drop from my season two premiere rating last year that was written by the king himself. Well, exactly. So we're right on the same page. So I think that's a, a fair assessment of the season three opener, wouldn't you say? I think so. I think that it's pretty fair, kind of generous even. And of course, if you'd like to give your rating and of course the little liner that goes after your rating, we'll be happy to take those two plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine or again under the dome radio.com slash feedback. And as you know, with all of these new residents coming into town that all of a sudden are miraculously appearing, the job market is getting more competitive in Chester's Mill. You know, you need to top off your skills and stay ahead of the competition. And that's where lynda.com comes to the rescue. No, they can't rescue you from the dome. But if you visit lynda.com slash dome, you'll get 10 days of free learning to jumpstart a new skill or master your current craft. For instance, you can learn to be a developer in order to create counter technology to alien viewing screens. You can even understand the art of audio and music to program your own subterranean light show, or even take a few classes to learn how to sell someone on an idea without the use of cocoons. Lynda.com slash dome will give you access to over 3000 video courses taught by expert teachers on any device you wish, even a Microsoft surface tablet. But most importantly, citizens of Chester's mill, you can even watch them offline with an annual premium membership, which is good in case Acteon messes with the internet again. So start your 10-day learning journey at lynda.com dome. That's lynda.com dome. Try it free today. And with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to see what all of you thought of the season three premiere as we move into our on location segment where Big Jim always likes to remind us. We're all in this together. And our first voicemail this week comes from a new caller to Under the Dome. One, Mr. Jason. Take it away, Jason from Minnesota. I didn't think I'd be calling some Packers hotline. I'm still trying to figure out what the heck the goop was, the matrix, the the don't go to the light, the phone home, the what the hell was that? Anyway, Jason Bryan from Athelk Online. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah. Two hours of my Thursday night that, uh, see, I don't have DVR anymore. I'm a cord cutter. So basically, yeah. Um, sat through Big Brother just to get to this. What the deuce? Yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm actually listening live right now or watching live. So you'll get this and it'll be after the fact. So I have no theories. I have zero theories other than maybe the producers rock acid, did a bad peyote trip. Went out to Joshua Tree in a in a like a hot sweat type of thing. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 like that. It's it was like, hmm. Jury's still out. All right, that's all I got. Please clarify this for me, please. Whatever you do, Wayne, Troy, save me from this. Save us all. Your only hope, Obi Wan. <laughs> Jason, it was quite nice to hear from you. <laughs> 
we don't have very much clarification to offer just yet, but I don't live very far from Joshua Tree, and it's 100 degrees where I'm at right now, Fahrenheit, and Joshua Tree's probably 109 degrees, so I'm sure most anywhere out there is going to be a sweat lodge right now. Oh, man, and I love the fact that he actually called that in as he was watching the show, and then, of course, watching us do our live reaction cast. I mean, that's that's commitment. Commitment, even if you don't know what the deuce is going on. I love it. And Jason, great to hear from you. We hope to hear from you every week and hear from anyone else who has some thoughts. You can be part of the show. Give us a call at plus one, 904-469-7469. Now, we had a very special caller, if you remember, from our fan feedback show at the end of season two. You might remember him giving his crazy theory that the egg might be a spaceship. And he didn't leave his name. Well... We tweeted out to them and said, hey, who is this person? And we finally found out who it was. And it was Aaron. And Aaron pulled the trigger today. And he is going to top himself, I think, with his season three premiere reaction voicemail. Take it away, Aaron. Ah! That's what I think about that first episode of Under the Dome. It's back, baby. What? What? Woo! Oh, boy. You know, let me tell you something. I did not realize that there was going to be a two-hour season premiere until the first hour was up. And I was like, oh, oh, whoa, double feature. Let me tell you a little something about everything that's going on in that little Matrix world as Sir Wayne and Sir Troy. Welcome back, boys, as you guys would say. Uh, Listen, everything that happened in there doesn't matter in real life, but what's going to happen is that people are going to start going, oh man, I miss the feelings that I felt in that world. Oh, oh Joe, I'm sorry. I love little computer programmer boy now. You know, stuff like that's going to start going on. But then Barbie is going to be like, oh man, do I love this new girl? But also, Julia, you alive? Also, I'd like to note out that you guys did not mention Inception, so I will, uh, because them little people were in those cocoons for only like a little while, but they had lived out like a year in their cocoon world, so, you know, like dream time, that kind of stuff. I guess there was no spaceship, but there still could be a spaceship. We'll see what happens. I'm excited. I'm very excited to see what happens next time. So, for everybody here on Under the Dome Radio, Sir Wayne, Sir Troy, we'll catch you next time. Under the Dome. (laughs) Follow me on Twitter, Aaron Arnett Jr. Aaron Arnett Jr. on Twitter. Glad to know you. I can now put a name to this excellenceness, if that's even a word. Thank you so very much. I've been smiling all day ever since that voicemail first came in. And it reminds me that's just one of the extra bonuses to being a podcaster is getting listener feedback that just is wonderful. Yeah. For every single person that asks me every day, if the dome is so bad and it's not bad, it's just different. (laughs) Yeah. We sit there and like, why do you keep doing the podcast? I'm like, It's because of people like Jason. It's because of people like Aaron. It's because of people like all of you. There are people that love this show and we want to talk about it. We love talking about it. And and that was just great. I I couldn't wait to play this for everybody today because it was just awesome. (laughs) 
Awesome. I, I, I believe he said he recorded this in his car at work, possibly in the parking lot. And if that's how it went down, I would have loved to have been a coworker pulling up beside Aaron's car, looking over while he's calling under the dome radio. <laughs> you can just see, uh, you can just see him in his car, like with his hands doing them. <laughs> the visual is just amazing. But I really love what he said here, actually, about yeah. the inception thing, because uh, it's kind of yes. like what I was saying. You know, it's this whole. I think they are going to have this one year of memories with them as they move forward through the season. And they're going to have to work through some of those issues. And boy, there's some issues. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh man. Hey, we also got an email from Mark, right? Yes, we did. Answering your question about the red and blue, I believe. Yeah, because it was so vibrant. I had to know. And so Mark responded with the initial question about why there was so much blue and red coloring in the episode. And he says in his own blue and red theory, one connection that they both have is that they are the color of our blood. Blue when it's inside of us and red when it runs out of us, which seems to happen a lot on Under the Dome. The flowing of blood represents life, being alive. Melanie and other apparitions of the dome have stated that the dome was there to keep them alive. And Mark, I absolutely love that theory. I fear that the writers haven't gone that deep, but I love it. And that's where they should go with it. Or you can even go simple, real simple. When you mix red and blue together, guess what color you get? Remind me. Purple. You get purple. Oh. As in all the rocks and the glowing veins and all of the fabulous colors in the cave. Exactly. <laughs> all coming together. We are getting answers. <laughs> we didn't even know it till tonight. Thank you, listeners, for helping us out. All right. Well, let's keep this uh, party going here with another voicemail. This one from Hank in Michigan. Hi, guys. This is Hank Davis from the Falling Skies Fan Podcast, located at tpenetwork.com chiming in for your under the dome radio podcast. I wondered what I was going to get when I sat down to watch this episode and they set the tone immediately as Barbie closes the clear shower curtain as his lady friend joins him. It was clear what we were going to get from the start and in true Amblin entertainment form. I loved the point of the episode when Big Jim gave Julia that knife and she tucks it in her pocket and the camera zooms in like, this is important. They had a nearly the exact same camera shot in season four of Falling Skies. And if that weren't enough, when they introduced the cocoons, I about slid out of my chair. It was so familiar to me from some show. I don't know where. So you asked whether or not Barbie's dream state baby mama will be pregnant in the real world. Since many of us don't want that to happen, of course she'll be pregnant. It's either going to be that or that certain people that came out of those cocoons that we've never met before will believe all the dream state memories and think that they are real. That's just my opinion. And it'll help set up some more forced drama between Barbie and Julia. But if she can get past Barbie killing her husband and trying to cover it up, I'm pretty sure she'll get past Dream State Baby Mama Drama. Love the podcast, and I'm locked in for season three, regardless of where they take us. Keep up the great work, guys. <laughs> Thank you so very much, Hank Davis of the TPE Network. And you had me at 
Hashtag dream state baby mama drama. <laughs> I probably messed that up. No, you got it spot on. That was awesome. <laughs> that was perfect, Hank. And yes, I happen to have noticed that zoom in slow-mo close-up of the knife going into Julia's pocket and wondering if we were ever going to see that again. I felt so duped on that because I didn't catch it the first watch. And I'm like, at the end, I'm like, where did Julia get the knife when she's like, uh, if Junior cut you out of the cocoon, then why do I still have the knife? I was like, where did she get that knife? Was it from the storage unit? And then, of course, I saw it on the second watch, and I was like, oh, my, that's so blatant. <laughs> oh, fantastic voicemail, Hank. And, yes, the Amblin Entertainment. And see, Hank's voicemail helps support the theory that maybe these two shows are related in more than one way. Oh, that'd be so awesome if it was. Falling Skies, Sunday nights. I also love the fact that... Um, Hank now also believes that these people are going to retain their memory. So I think we're going to have, yes, it is, everybody, our first Team Troy versus Team Wayne battle of the season. Wayne said at the top of the show that he doesn't think they are going to retain the memories and that it was all just gone in a whiff. And I'm saying that they will retain him and it will be the entire plot driving device for season three. So if you are with me, hashtag Team Troy. And if you are with Wayne, of course, hashtag Team Wayne. We got a lot of hashtags happening tonight. I love it. Well, there is a lot of hash typically with under the dome, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Wow. (laughs) All right. We uh, finish it off here with a new listener coming over from my other show, the blacklist exposed. Uh, That's at the blacklist exposed.com listener. Rory made the trip to Chester's mill from DC. And of course he's checking in from New Jersey. Hey, Troy. Hey, Wayne. Uh, wow, what to say? I don't know what I watched last night for two hours. Made me stay up late. I got to get up early, and I had to watch two hours of I don't even know what. It was like The Matrix met Wizard of Oz, met, I don't even know, Under a Dome, the pod people, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Overall, I have no idea what was going on. I think they tried to make too much of it, and I really do think that at the end of the day, It's going to be a reset. They were stuck in this alternate reality, and now they'll be back stuck under the dome like they were, except now you're going to have these other characters because uh, Barbie's girlfriend in their alternate universe, bam, there she is in the new one. And what's up with Melanie? Was she dead all along? And the pod people, you know, brought her, the aliens kept her alive? I don't know what to think. I'm really not sure what went on last night or what I really watched. Uh, it seems like they're trying to make up for season two as bad as it was in two episodes to start off. I really don't know where they're going to go with this. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. Uh, talk to you soon. Rory, thank you so very much for coming over from Blacklist, which, of course, will be returning for another monster season this fall. But in the meantime, we've got this craziness happening and Rory we don't quite yet have very many answers to offer you but stick with us something's bound to happen and Rory actually tweeted me this is how dedicated Rory was he actually watched season one and season two on Amazon in two weekends commitment wow that is amazing Rory I had no idea you weren't a longtime viewer that yo you're right commitment dedication that's what it takes to figure this show out I can't imagine watching season two back to back like that. Oh my goodness. (laughs) He gets a prize. Yes, he does. You get a prize, Rory. (laughs) Oh, well, that was some really great stuff. So as we did last year, we had our 
Under the Dome Honorary DJ of the Week. And because we weren't able to give it to Aaron for his egg and spaceship voicemail at the end of last season, and because he did such a good job this week, Aaron, you are the honorary Under the Dome radio DJ for the season three premiere episode. And as Aaron said, of course, you can follow him all season on Twitter at Aaron Arnett Jr. That's A-A-R-O-N-A-R-N-E-T-T-J-R. Aaron Arnett Jr. And I'm sure he'll have some hilarity to share on Thursday nights. I hope so. We're not trying to build it up so much that he that he's afraid to try to top himself. But Aaron, whatever you send us, we want to hear it because it's good stuff. You're you're a great guy. And boy, you made a smile today. Thank you again, Aaron. And with that, we will close up our on location segment and move into our investigative reporting. Well, next week on Under the Dome, we are already at episode three. Yes, that's 11 weeks left. Can you believe it? So remember now, it's a spoilery section. Come back in about five minutes if you don't want to be in on the scoop. Now, we already said that trailers lie, and we were told we're going to get answers next week, but Wayne thinks we were also told that we were going to get them this week. We got some. Not all. We got some. Now, Eh. (laughs) but you heard it here first, right? So don't hold your breath. We don't think that they will be coming, but they'll be coming with more questions, I guess. As far as answers, we might find out where did those new pendant lights come from that are in the Sweetbriar Rose? We might find that out. Ah, that's a good call. Good call. I did notice those. Now, next week, it is the 4th of July weekend. I know you're all going to be going to see Terminator Genesis, I'm sure. Or, of course, Inside Out and Jurassic World and big blockbusters at the box office. But you're going to want to be locked in. Thursday, Thursday night is the new time. If you haven't figured that out yet, Thursday night, July 2nd at 10 Eastern, 9 Central, because it's going to be a redo or redux, depending on how you actually want to say that word because it's spelled funny. So redo the residents of Chester's Mill try to move on with their lives in the aftermath of their mysterious experience in the tunnels deep beneath the town. Meanwhile, Big Jim suspects new residents Christine and Ava are keeping secrets concerning the dome. No kidding. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Amazing. It's like they predicted exactly what I was thinking. So, yes, Big Jim is going to be taking down Christine, of course, played by Marge. And then Ava is Kylie Bunbury. That's Kylie Bunbury, for those of you playing along at home. And of course, we're going to have the regulars back as well. But Kylie Bunbury is actually listed as a regular cast member for this uh, episode. So I guess she'll be around for the majority of season three being a um, regular cast member. And then, of course, Marge and and, uh, Melanie and Hunter and Ben, they're all in the recurring cast. Now, it's interesting that Ben is listed on this press release because I thought he was dead. So I wonder if we're going to see Ghost Ben in this episode. Would that be cool? Nothing would surprise me at all. And then we're going to also see Abby DeWitt and Roger Lopez, two other potential citizens within Chester's mill. It's going to be written by Alexandra McNally and directed by Olatunde Usanami. So it's going to be a very interesting show. I think to see if they could keep the engine rolling, if you will. Uh, I know last year we had, um, 
piloting Barbie, crop dusting Barbie with caterpillars for our second episode. And we were all like, "Uh oh, where's it going? So hopefully we will not have the second episode or in this case, third episode slump that we had last year. Well, like you said, the train will keep rolling. So we'll probably have engineer Barbie. Oh, love it. Good job. Blaine the mono and he's the pilot. Oh my. Oh, we're tying it into the dark tower all over the place. Love it. Can't help it. Well, it's been a great time hanging out with all of you once again here under the dome in Chester's mill. We just want to say thanks to all of you for subscribing to the show over the past two seasons, but the fun of course is not over yet. You heard it here predicting season four already. So since we are gone for so long, we do need your help. And we want you to go out to iTunes, right? We've been disappeared from iTunes for about 39 weeks or so. We want to get the exposure back up so more people can come in, leave great voicemails like Jason, Aaron, Hank, and Rory this week. So if you can, go ahead and leave us a five-star review in iTunes. And of course, those ratings are also welcome on Stitcher and any other place that you get your fine podcasts distributed. And if you're listening via the podcasts app right now in your iOS device, you can even leave your iTunes review right there in the iOS podcast app. Also, the show's made possible by you. And with season three here, we still need those propane deliveries to keep this radio station of sorts running. So head on over to underthedomeradio.com and on the right hand side, just pick which size of propane shipment you would like to donate towards to help keep us on the air because we really don't have any idea if the dome is ever going to be lifted. And if it is lifted, is it really lifted? So every ounce of propane is going to help. And we love connecting with all of you, fellow domies. So head on over to underthedomeradio.com. You can find all of our social links right there at the top of the website. Facebook and Twitter is where we hang out the most. But most importantly, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave the reviews there as well. Tell us what you love about the show so more domies like you can learn about our great Chester's Mill community. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Under the Dome Radio. Please share your thoughts and theories for the next episode of the podcast. Just visit underthedomeradio.com slash feedback for all the details. And until next time, I'm at Wayne Henderson. And I'm at Troy Heinrichs, permanently stuck to the ground from the goo as we stay trapped under the dome. Under the Dome Radio. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life, laugh with our clean comedy, theorize over great television shows, and so much more, all waiting for you at noodle.mx.